Welcome to HGA's Redefining Workplace podcast, where we'll talk with experts about all things related to office design in the age of COVID-19, while keeping CREs up to date with new insights as they emerge. I'm Melissa Pacey, principal at HGA in our San Francisco office, and super excited to be your host today. Today, we'll be talking about how changing protocols can be positively reinforced through a temporary signage program. Joining us, are Perry Stephanie, a senior project manager in the San Francisco office, and Paula Storstein, a design principal in our Minneapolis office, who will tell us about how they approached a temporary signage solution for our own offices and some important takeaways for anyone considering signage. Paula and Perry, thanks so much for joining me here today. Happy to be here. Great to be here as well. So I was thinking we could start off talking about why our listeners might want to install signage rather than move all the desks and walls in their spaces? That's a great question. Right now, the guidelines are changing so frequently, and we're still fairly early into this return to office. So signage lets you give direction to people in how to use the workplace before you invest in all sorts of screens or panels or dividers. It lets you in a low-cost way, change behavior in the workplace. And I think with that as well, as Paul alluded to, we're very early in this stage. We actually don't know what happens a year from now and two years from now. So making massive changes to your workplace actually could be, you know, it could result in negative response or a negative effect. So I think signage is one of those ways to sort of ease that sort of transition without making an invest, without changing the dynamics of your workplace. But it also gives you that flexibility as we learn more about how to work in this new environment, what that could be 12 months down the road, 15 months down the road, but also too, you really don't want to have a major impact on your real estate portfolio at this moment. Absolutely. And I think we all know that signage can be a more cost-effective solution as well but what are some tips and tricks the both of you might have to help keep signage costs down even more for those who are on a budget as we understand that these times might be especially trying for some companies? I would say the most cost-effective and the fastest solution would be to print paper signs and just get them up there and direct people through your space and with new guidelines. That would be the lowest cost and fastest way to get signage up in your workplace. I would agree with that as well. I, but I also think that because we don't know how long the temporary situation is going to last, I think signage should be at a level in which it stands up, up for an extended period of time. The cost-effective way, yes, it's a print on paper, but maybe there's a little bit tiny investment where it's on some type of backer that makes it last longer, but far less than full-on fabrication and, and production. And Perry, do you want to talk about like signage quantities or design things that could help also keep the budget a bit lower? Yeah, so I think what would be important is that you want to look at the areas that have the most traffic where there's that possibility of people coming together. And so I think if you invest in those areas, you can keep your costs down. You know, do you need to place signage everywhere? No, I think it's important to sort of look at your circulation pattern to sort of identify those key areas and then focus your signage in that. So that should obviously offset the investment in this. And while we're on that thread, 
how do you determine the best level of signage and graphics in a space? Obviously, having enough to be impactful, but not so much that it's overwhelming. Well, I think one of the easiest things to do is not to have multiple signs in one location. A single sign using pictograms are the best way to communicate that sort of new approach to how we're going to move throughout our workplace. And again, as I said before, just finding a location where there's multiple touch points. If you do that, then you don't need to necessarily be too concerned about the areas that are outside of that. And Paul, is there anything that you'd like to add? As I know you've been determining lately where to put signage in our own offices. I think really walking through the space and like Perry said, finding the most impactful points and really putting them in places where they're noticeable. So they catch people's eye. The pictogram is important so that it's visually interesting and also has a message that people can really understand and is straightforward. And I would add to that scale and size are extremely important. You don't want a sign that is so large that you have to stand you know, 10, 20 feet away just to understand what the direction is. And you also want to keep it simple. And it needs to be somewhat flexible in the respect that anyone can understand exactly what needs to happen at that based on what's on that sign. That's why generally in form of wayfinding, you see a lot more symbols, not a lot of words. So you want to step away from being very text heavy and focus more on that graphical impact. I think it's also helpful if the signs have a little bit of humor to them so that as people are getting these safety directions, they're also, you know, seeing something that, that makes them smile a little bit. So that in this very kind of serious return to work, there's also a sense of humor and joy. Absolutely. And I'm sure that type of thing will help it stick with them as well and kind of make it more memorable. What are the biggest challenges that the two of you have seen and things that our listeners might want to keep in mind when preparing and implementing a new signage program, especially one that might be temporary? Not over-signing the space, I think, is the biggest challenge. You're looking at all these different locations, and you want to tell the users, do this, don't do this. Your tendency is to want to put a sign everywhere. And once you do that, there's too much information, and people won't notice the message, will possibly even get a little annoyed by being told with so many directions and things to do. So I think, you know, having restraint in where the message is really important. I think the biggest challenge is, uh, or one of the, the challenges is, how does this temporary signage impact some of your existing signage? Because I think there may be some cases where there could be some conflict. So you sort of have to address how do you deal with your existing signage? And then also, too, we want to make sure that our signage is working with the facility. And that sounds kind of like abstract, but the point is, you don't want to have too much signage and you don't want to have enough signage. You sort of have to thread that sort of small margin to make sure it's right. And I think also, too, with that, your signage needs are probably going to evolve over time. If this process lasts you know, longer than any of us are expecting, you may end up having to add more signage as you go through, because I think what we're hearing is that some of the workplaces are going to start with a small population of people occupying the space. Over time, eventually, they're going to increase the number of occupants. Nobody still stays short of that 
maximum occupancy, but today maybe only 10% of the population may be in the office. Who says three months from now it's going to be you know, 20% or 30% and so on. So then your signage also needs to evolve with that increased amount of headcount coming into the workplace. So I think you have to think big, but you want to start smaller. As someone told me, you have to go slow to go fast in some respects. So I think if elements of the signage, as Perry said, where things are going to be changing, like occupancy, if those parts of the signage are where you can write in an occupancy. So as the occupancy of the offices change from maybe 25% to 50%, and as the CDC guidelines maybe evolve and all these things change, you're able to change the occupancy in a room or change where you find the cleaning products or change the cleaning protocols. So if some of those things can be changeable on the sign that you're able to write in, it'll really help your signage adapt and change through this evolving process. I think one of our challenges with the signage that we want to make sure is, is that do not treat the signage as if it's another expense. I guess what we want to do is we want to fight sort of the complacency about the signage. It, it's going to be extremely important in a new workplace, so we don't want to lose our investment in making sure that the signage works. Um, we don't want people to think, or as people come on board, it's simply implied we don't need the signage anymore, let's just take it down. No, you're going to need that signage as long as we are in this situation. That's super helpful. And I think just to kind of loop back really quickly to Paula's point about being able to write in, I think it's important for our listeners to know that in order to do that, you need to have a dry erase component added to the signage. And while there is an extra expense to that, the expense is less than having to create multiple signs over time, as well as kind of the headache of like taking them down and ordering them and putting up new signage. And so while that may have a bit of an extra expense, long-term it'll probably save people utilizing it quite a bit of money and just time. One other thing that I wanted to chat quickly with both of you about is the fact that right now we're all in the process of designing and putting up office signage. And I think we've learned some things that would be helpful for anyone to know who's going through this process, especially in regards to like materials that are more readily available, size for shipping, even having the client put the signage up on their own. So I was wondering if you could both maybe speak to that a little bit, you know, especially as we are in a pandemic, a lot of clients probably don't want another round of installers in their offices right now. So being able to do this on their own is important more now than ever. I'm going to pass this one to Perry. Here's what I would recommend in the approach to this is that getting the science up is the most important part of it, making sure it's at the right level. And I think generally most people understand where science, the height or generally where the height needs to go. And I think the science that I've seen so far is very user-friendly that anyone can install it without having to have an outside vendor do it. Since we're talking about temporary signage, there's a little bit more flexibility. Obviously, if some of this becomes permanent, that's a different, you know, that, that's a different approach that we probably want to, you know, discuss further at a different time. But I think as far as temporary signage, it's just getting a basic minimum simple eye height, the average eye height where people can see it without having to look down or look way up, then I think you'll be successful. And even I think the fact that the design of our signage is on an eight and a half by 11 so that anyone could print it on a standard printer, but also anyone who's having it fabricated on peel and stick 
it's kind of in a, another standard size that's easy for the fabricators to make as well as ship inexpensively, I think help kind of keep costs in check overall. I think one important aspect of this is since it is temporary signage, you want to make sure that as it's adhered to walls that it's not damaging your walls because it will be removed and you don't want to incur a lot of facility costs in repainting walls or if you're applying something to the floor that, you know, the floor is in damage. So that adherence not going to damage your existing is important. Absolutely. And I know one of the other things that our team has looked at was the cleanability of signage. Obviously, that cleanability is important right now more than ever. So making sure that these signs can withstand heavy cleaning, but have that temporary quality that you mentioned, Paula, so that they're not creating permanent damage is really important. Mm -hmm. So dialing in the right thickness and tack level of the signage for us was really something that we focused on quite a bit, as well as just kind of the availability of materials because we weren't trying to find something that was super unique and going to be hard to get a hold of in case we did want to create different signage down the road so that it all was cohesive. Right. I think we're finding that the return to office is happening quite quickly for companies. For example, if you're ordering furniture and you need, you know, eight to 10 to 12 weeks to get something in, signage is something in, in, you know, a couple of weeks as they're planning. And so it just helps them get back to office more quickly. Absolutely. Paula, what do you see are the next steps after you've kind of had that first round of putting up signage? What comes, what comes next? So after you've been in the office for a little while, I would recommend that you take a look at how your signage program is working. And are you seeing people follow the safety protocols and the, the change in behavior that you're hoping the signage brings? And if you may find that you need to add additional signage or relocate some signage to different spots in the facility, but you really want to take a, a moment to assess if it's working and you're seeing the change that uh, in behavior that is needed. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks to Paula and Perry for their great tips for creating a successful signage program like not overdoing it. To stay up to date with all the insights from HGA, please visit hga.com insights or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and share with your friends or on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. To keep this conversation going, please share on any of our social channels under the post for this episode. If you're interested in talking to me or any of our guests, please reach out to the contact information provided on our website. I'm Melissa Pacey, and I can't wait to talk again on our next